today we're finishing up, we're wrapping up our series on these uh, eight uh, assumptions, lenses, axioms, uh, through which Jesus saw all of life. Um, I won't review all of that because that would take too much time. But um, we've talked about several things like the fact that God is present at work and that he meets us in reality, like in the, the stuff of our real lives, um, that he, he cares about all of it more than we do. Um, so we talked about several of these things, but how do you access this reality? That's what we're talking about today. How do you appropriate it? How do you make it your own? How, how does it go from concept that maybe lives in your head to, uh, to reality that operates in your heart? And the answer to that is that we enter into the life of God through our bodies, by what we do with our hands, our feet, our mouths, ourselves. This is who we are. Um, Romans 12, verses 1 and 3 say this. Paul says this to the, to the Roman church. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 3 says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do you learn what the will of God is for your life? You offer your body as a living sacrifice. You say yes to what he tells you. Um, so we, we act as though the good news of Jesus is, in fact, true, even if our head doesn't believe it. We were talking about several scenarios where um, we might be called to something. One of the reasons why we might not put Jesus' teaching into practice is because we don't really think that it is going to work. We think it might fail. Um, but this is how we learn to dwell in love, is through embodied experimental participation, saying yes, taking risks, believing that Jesus is trustworthy. Uh, Brene Brown uh, puts it this way. I love this quote. The way from the head to the heart is through the hands. The way from the head to the heart is through the hands. That's how it drops from intellectual knowledge to actual life belief. That's how you activate what you really believe. So participation in God, it doesn't happen when we get our thinking straight, when we start behaving correctly, but as we respond to good news by taking steps with our actual bodies, trusting that God is here and now by putting Jesus' words into practice. So this is the good news that we're tapping into this morning, that in Jesus, God has given us everything that we need to live in moment by moment communion with him. The teachings of Jesus are not bummers or burdens, for us to bear, but they are words of life and liberty. And as we put them into practice, the, the way opens up for us to receive all that we most deeply need to tap into the very life of God. Um, how many of you have seen the uh, film, The Karate Kid? Quite a few of us. I know it's, it's kind of done a recent resurgence with the uh, the. the uh, TV show, right, Cobra Kai, um, which I haven't seen. I, actually, I, well, I saw an episode of it. I couldn't, it, the, it was too much cheese for me. So I was a little lactose intolerant when it came to the show, and I, I haven't seen the rest of it. But I, I loved the film when I was a kid, and it turns out it was just as cheesy. I just didn't realize it at the time. Um, 
But I, after I saw the, the movie, I begged my parents to take karate. I don't know if you guys did the same thing. And then a month later, I begged them to stop taking karate. <laughs> um, but if you don't remember, Daniel LaRusso is the main character, and he's bullied by kids who are part of this sort of karate gang. Apparently, these were all the rage in the 80s in Southern California. But they, they beat him up, and then this guy, Mr. Miyagi, comes uh, to save the day. And long story short, Mr. Miyagi eventually agrees to train Daniel if he's going to, as long as he enters the All Valley Championships and fights these guys himself. So, um, so Daniel agrees. He shows up the next morning for training, and Mr. Miyagi puts him to work. You remember what Mr. Miyagi does for Daniel's son? Wax on, wax on, yeah. Yeah, go go wax all my old cars, wax on, wax off. So he spends the entire day doing that. Wax on, wax off, breathe in, breathe out. The next day he comes back. What does he do? Yeah, I don't know which one's which. Sand the floor, right? I paint the fence first. Thanks, Sand the floor, paint the fence, paint the house. And to Daniel, all these seem like he's doing Mr. Miyagi's chores. Why am I concerning myself with these uh, busy work sort of tasks? But on the final night, Mr. Miyagi comes home. While Daniel is almost done painting and tells him that he missed the spot, Daniel explodes. <laughs> you know, I come here to learn karate, but in the four days I've been here, I haven't learned anything. All I've done is your bidding. And Daniel starts to leave, but Mr. Miyagi calls him back and he says, sand the floor. And as Daniel does the motions that are now embedded into his muscle memory, what does Mr. Miyagi do? He starts throwing punches and kicks. And charging at Daniel's son, who suddenly, to his surprise, is able to block and counter every one of them. Now, those of you who've taken karate, this is probably not how karate works. Right? <laughs> so we have to it's some creative license here. But but the thing I want you to notice is that Daniel's been learning karate the whole time, just didn't know it. He had assumptions about why he was doing these chores, stories that he told himself to make sense of these senseless tasks that caused him to resent Mr. Miyagi and to question his character. But in actuality, by submitting himself to his sensei's instructions, even though he didn't understand them at the time, he had been learning karate all along. Have you ever experienced the words and teaching of Jesus, just like Daniel experienced bewilderment, resentment towards Mr. Miyagi's instructions? Have you ever thought that you were failing at something or told yourself stories about why God would want you to do this or don't do that? Can you relate to Daniel's experience when it comes to Jesus? I think a lot of us can. So um, we read Matthew 7, and in Matthew 7, Jesus encourages us to listen to his words and to put them into practice. Something, um, But sometimes his words to us, they don't seem to relate to our real life. They seem like for another day. Or they don't have anything to do with the problems that I'm facing today. And so we dismiss them or we forget them. We're busy trying to provide a good life for ourselves and our family. And we hear Jesus say, don't be afraid. The Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And we're like, well, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. It's as relevant as wax the clock. 
we're trying to win important political battles, so it's God's work. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Stay on the floor. We're trying to bring peace to ourselves by leaving the past behind, forgiving and forgetting, not having anything to do with those toxic people. And Jesus says, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, go and be reconciled with them. But all we hear is make offense. We come to Jesus wanting help for our real lives, don't we? Honestly, sincerely. We say to him, I want to be your disciple. Please help me. And it's heartfelt, but the instructions sometimes don't seem to make sense. They feel like bummers or burdens, arbitrary rules. And so we make up these narratives, these stories that must be true about these instructions. That God likes making up rules or that God's love is conditional and he only loves me if I do the rules. Or that God has checked out of my ordinary life. Or that he loves watching me fail. Or that he won't give me the resources that I need to say yes to the things he's asking me to do. And so, like Daniel's son, we leave our training. We stop showing up. We may download a few karate podcasts, you know. Uh, we may subscribe to a few karate magazines. We may even, like, uh, punch and kick the wall every once in a while. We might listen to Kayla. That's karate love. <laughs> um, and we think that that's going to be enough to do well in the All Valley Championships. We're friends of some. But the good news is that in Jesus, God has given us all that we need to live in moment by moment communion with Him. His teachings aren't bummers or burdens, they're life and liberty. And as we put them into practice, as we build the foundation of our life on them, as we say yes, even when they don't make sense to us, they become for us a portal into the very life of God. See, Jesus knows that we all have this tendency and to trick ourselves into merely listening to his words. And this is why in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the last one-sixth of the entire sermon is devoted to this idea of do what I've instructed you to do. Put it into practice. Don't let it wash over you. Don't just appreciate it from a distance. Don't just talk about them. Practice them. Uh, he uses two builders as a, a metaphor. One puts his foundation on the rock and the other on the sand. The one on the rock stands through the storm. And the only difference between the two builders is that one put the teaching of Jesus into practice and the other did. That's the only thing. Presumably, they both agree with the teaching. Presumably, they were both inspired by it. Presumably, they would come back Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to hear the good teaching proclaimed again with zero intention of putting it into practice on Wednesday. Jesus says it won't do any good unless you practice it. Um, I don't know about you. I've encountered a lot of teaching about the Sermon on the Mount that basically says you really can't do any of this. That it's only there to help you realize how much you need, so don't even try. Um, but I like what Dallas Willard says about this. He says that grace, meaning God's presence, his empowerment, is not opposed to effort, only earning. God isn't opposed to your effort. In fact, he calls for it. And he supplies what you need as you give it. So putting Jesus' words into practice is not performing for God. You're not earning anything from him. It's participation in God. It's taking hold of God's grace by responding with your effort. 
so that you can live together as one. And yes, this is going to uh, involve failure. I know many of us don't have a great relationship with failure. Um, Dallas Willard, again, he said, he said this. He, what, he, he was asked one time, what advice would you give somebody who's struggling with uh, what it means to be a Christian? And he says this. Read through the Gospels until you find something Jesus says that seems like a good idea to you, and then try to do it. And when you fail, ask for help. So that's essentially the Christian life. <laughs> See, uh, just like Daniel, when you put the teachings of Jesus into practice, even when you fail, you are learning karate, whether you realize it or not. You are growing into the kind of person that you wish you could be. You are moving toward the kind of life that gives you all that you most deeply long for, even if you don't see it. So submit to waxing on and waxing on. Do what your sensei tells you. Trust that Jesus is leading you into life and liberty. This is ultimately a life of interactive communion with God, not moral performance, but mutual participation. Um, every Sunday, we, we're, you're getting trained in this, whether you realize it or not. We talk about good news together, and then we respond to good news, right? Um, notice I, I rarely give you applications that you do on your own later. Ever notice that? I think you did. Pulling back the curtain a little bit. I never give you applications that you do on your own later. Um, instead, of the applications, we have immediate responses that we do in the moment. You've heard good news. What are you going to do with it here, now, together? Are we called to praise God or confess? Uh, are we going to join in communion, as we're going to do in a second? Are we going to give thanksgiving or petition God for something together? So we take the real stuff of our lives and we submit it to Jesus and the good news. In other words, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is how the good news works. In view of God's mercy. So we don't come to church to learn spiritual tidbits from God so that we can go and apply them later. We come to participate in his life together as a family. Because nobody can learn karate alone. Nobody needs to. 